0: Edwin Smith-Papyrus,
1: Hippocrates, Aurelius Celsus, Galen, Archigenus,
0: Claudius Galenus,
1: Percival Pott, Jean Gordano,
0: Theodore Bavarian, Marie, Marie Kirill, Janet
1: Lane Clayton, Austin
0: Hill, Richard Nixon, Harold Zora-Hausen. Chris Weaney. Chris Hocking.
1: What do they all have in common? They all loved talking oncology. Hi, my name is Chris Hocking and I'm a medical oncologist at the Lyle Hospital in Adelaide. And joining me today is Dr. Anna Mislang, a medical oncologist from Flinders Medical Centre. This podcast is from the team at Talking Medicine, where we aim to help doctors develop a deeper understanding of the literature to ensure we apply the right evidence to the right patient.
0: Thanks, Chris. Today, we will be discussing radionuclide therapy as treatment for advanced prostate cancer, and specifically focusing on emerging data on lutetium PSMA therapy. Professor Michael Hoffman, a nuclear physician within the Molecular Imaging and Theranostics Department of Peter McCallum Cancer Centre, spoke to us at length recently about these developments and we'll hear from him throughout the podcast. We will do all this after a quick word from our sponsor. This
2: podcast is proudly supported with an educational grant from Janssen Oncology.
1: So thanks to Janssen, whose generous and non-interfering support make this podcast possible.
0: All right, Chris. Let's get started by doing a quick recap of the current therapeutic landscape in metastatic castrate-resistant prostate cancer.
1: So after a pretty quiet half-century or so, following Charles Huggins' Nobel Prize-winning work on the effect of androgen deprivation in prostate cancer, the field of metastatic prostate cancer finally took a leap forward in 2004. Ian Tannock's seminal work established docetaxel chemotherapy given in combination with oral prednisolone as the standard of care for these men improving median overall survival from 16.9 months to 18.9 months compared to mitoxantrone. While the improvement in median overall survival may be modest, docetaxel was associated with important improvements in quality of life and reduction in bone pain. Fast forward to 2019 and there are now an additional five systemic therapies shown to prolong survival in men with castrate-resistant metastatic prostate cancer. Two second-generation androgen-directed therapies, enzalutamide and abiraterone acetate, and the semi-synthetic taxane chemotherapy cabazitaxel. sipuleucel ta a cell-based immunotherapy, and the radionuclide radium-223 have also demonstrated improved overall survival. For our Australian listeners, these two treatments are not currently reimbursed and therefore not routinely used in the Australian setting. Targeted radionuclide therapies such as lutetium PSMA are gaining popularity based on efficacy in retrospective and prospective studies showing clinically meaningful responses in advanced, heavily pretreated men.
0: Chris, it's an exciting area and our nuclear medicine colleagues here in Australia are right at the forefront of this clinical research.
1: They are, Anna. And if you don't already, it's time to add a nuclear physician to your phone's speed dial. Can you briefly describe the concept of targeted radionuclide therapy and specifically lutetium PSMA?
0: Yes, I think that's important to do right from the outset. Targeted radionuclides are produced by labeling a cell-targeting molecule, usually a small peptide, with a radionuclide. These targeted radionuclides can then be used for imaging purposes or for the delivery of therapeutic radiation to the targeted cell type. In prostate cancer, we are labeling the small peptide prostate-specific membrane antigen or PSMA. PSMA receptors are overexpressed by a factor of 1,000 on the surface of prostate cancer cells but not in other normal tissues. Contrary to its name, it is not specific to prostate cancer cells and is expressed in the salivary gland and renal tubules, as well as on clear cell renal cancers. For imaging purposes, PSMA is labeled with gallium-68 or fluorine-18. These are low-dose radionuclides, with no effect on the body, but are detected by the PET scanner and produce quite stunning 3D pictures. Here, the nuclear physician is looking for a good target to background contrasts indicating the radionuclide that has high tumor uptake with very little uptake in normal tissues. If there is high tumor to background contrast, the same peptide is then labeled with lutetium-177. But don't just believe us. Let's hear from Professor Michael Hoffman.
2: And lutetium-177 is a beta emitter, and it travels only half a millimetre to one millimetre. It's distributed in exactly the same way as what we see on a PET scan, but it's got a much longer half-life. So once it's taken up into the tumours, it stays there, and lutetium has a half-life of seven days. So it emits high levels of radiation to uh, kill tumours, and uh, it's quite a novel way to get really very high doses of radiation to sites of tumour wherever they are, uh, with very little uptake into normal tissues.
0: This new form of cancer therapeutics has brought about the term Theranostics.
2: Did you know,
1: Anna, that in the world of word formation, Theranostics is an example of word blending, combining the words, therapy, and diagnostics? My long-standing favourite word blend is brunch.
0: (laughs) Hahaha, fantabulous, thanks Chris. That sounded a bit like mansplaining to me, my favourite word blend. Still, we're getting sidetracked. Radionuclei therapy is not new though in the treatment of prostate cancer. Agents such as radium-223 and strontium are both bone-directed radionuclides that have shown evidence in this setting. Can you tell us more about this, Chris?
1: Certainly. Strontium and radium are radionuclides which mimic calcium and are preferentially taken up in sites of high bone turnover, hence their localization to osteoblastic metastasis. They do not target a cancer cellular receptor, such as is in the case of lutetium PSMA. Strontium is a beta emitting radionuclide, where radium 223 is alpha emitting. We asked Professor Hoffman why this matters.
0: Beta
2: emitters are a type of radiation that travels variably depending on the molecule used, but for lutetium, it's very similar to radioactive iodine. That is also a very common beta emitter used in nuclear medicine, half a millimeter to one millimeter path length. It's also got a medium energy. Yeah, so it causes a lot of single-stranded DNA breaks. It's not causing perhaps as many double-stranded DNA breaks, particularly in normal tissues. So in tumours that are proliferating and sensitive to damage from radiation, beta emitters are very effective. But beta emitters have much less effect on normal tissues. Alpha emitters are a different type of radiation. They travel much, much shorter distance, have several orders of magnitude less. So they travel micrometers and they have energies that are orders of magnitude greater. So they will destroy anything in their path weight, including normal tissues. If something touches an alpha emitter, it is obliterated. In that way, they can be thought of as quite dangerous, but the advantage is their killing power is much higher. The problem with an alpha emitter is we do get off-target uptake with PSMA small molecules, and the one of interest is the salivary glands, but also the kidneys.
0: Wow, Chris, alpha emitters sound more like a blowtorch, whereas beta emitters sound more like slow cookers. So what's the clinical trial data on strontium and radium?
1: Well, strontium is a radionuclide used in the treatment of symptomatic bone metastasis in prostate cancer. Although there is no high-level evidence showing a survival benefit, it has evidence in smaller phase 2 trials showing an improvement in pain progression when combined with docetaxel chemotherapy. This was seen in the TRAPEZE trial published in JAMA Oncology 2016. Radium-223 is an alpha-emitting radionuclide shown to prolong survival and improve symptoms relating to bone metastasis. This was demonstrated in the al trial, published in the New England Journal of Medicine in 2013. This was the first phase 3 randomised trial in men with castrate-resistant disease treated with radionuclide therapy. As you will recall, 921 patients with bone metastasis and no visceral disease who had progressed on or were unsuitable for docetaxel chemotherapy were randomly assigned in a two-to-one fashion to radium-223 or placebo. Treatment was administered intravenously every four weeks for up to six cycles. Median overall survival increased by almost three months, from 11.2 months in the placebo arm to 14 months in those receiving radium-223. This was reflected in a statistically significant hazard ratio of 0.7, indicating a 30% reduction in death with radium compared with placebo. Anna, there were clearly concerns of myelosuppression with such an agent, an alpha-emitter targeting bone of heavily pretreated men. But the rates of significant myelosuppression were very low. Grade 3 neutropenia or thrombocytopenia occurred in less than 3% of patients receiving radium, In a later publication reporting three-year safety data, a single case of anaplastic anemia was reported from the 600 patients receiving radium-223 treatment.
0: So, while this was a positive trial, it's worth pointing out here, Chris, it was undertaken in the era prior to the routine use of enzalutamide and abiraterone. We should also discuss here the unexpected and disappointing results from the recently published ERA-223 study in Lancet Oncology, March 2019. This study randomized 806 patients to the combination of abiraterone acetate and radium-223 or abiraterone acetate and placebo. The primary endpoint was symptomatic skeletal event-free survival, defined as the time from randomization to the first symptomatic skeletal event or death from any cause. A symptomatic skeletal event, you'll recall from the large solidronic acid and denosumab trials, is defined as use of external beam radiotherapy to relieve skeletal symptoms, a new symptomatic pathological bone fracture, spinal cord compression, or a tumor-related orthopedic surgical intervention.
1: Anna, I have some problems with this endpoint. It is not at all intuitive, being a composite of death and four individual skeletal events. In this trial, the most common event was the receipt of external beam radiotherapy, a subjective endpoint with inherent variability.
0: Okay, Chris, so tell us about the findings.
1: This trial was unblinded prematurely due to the higher number of deaths and fractures in the radium-223 group. Median symptomatic skeletal event-free survival was 22.3 months in the combination group versus the higher, 26 months, in the placebo group, with a hazard ratio of 1.11. The key finding, Anna in addition to the lack of benefit, was the increased risk of fractures, 23% in the radium arm versus 10% in the placebo arm, largely driven by benign osteoporotic fractures. Anna, we really didn't expect this.
0: No, Chris, we certainly didn't. It really does highlight the importance of testing novel therapies and combinations in randomized clinical trials.
1: It certainly does. Two individually good things aren't always better together. Have you ever mixed? red wine with artichokes.
0: Really? You went for that as your bad combination?
1: Well, I mean, red wine goes with just about anything else. What?
0: Like your brunch?
1: Well, of course, Anna. We asked Professor Hoffman if he could help us understand why the higher rate of fractures occurred in the combination of radium-223 plus abiraterone.
2: So radium-223 is distributed like MDP on a bone scan or like sodium fluoride if you do a PET bone scan. And when you do a bone scan, you certainly see uptake in the normal bone cortex. So I've got no doubt that when you give radium-223, you do get physiologic uptake within the normal bone cortex. And as I alluded to earlier, alphas, which radium-223 is, are extremely powerful. They will destroy anything that touches them. And so no doubt that there was damage to the bone cortex in patients given radium-223 Like a blowtorch to the bones.
1: And Professor Hoffman had a fascinating insight into why the low burden of metastatic disease in this study may have inadvertently increased the risk of fractures.
2: So in patients with large burdens of tumour, when we treat them, they don't get much salivary toxicity because the uptake in salivary glands is lower by virtue of the fact that the tumours are sucking up or taking up all the radiation. I think what's happened in the ERA trial is that these patients did not have high-volume disease there was delivery of radiation alpha-emitted to normal bone cortex, causing essentially you know, weakening of normal bones, leading to benign fractures. I would have not liked to use radium-223 in this early group of patients. And also, when you're combining it with abiraterone, you're doubly in trouble because it's a highly effective treatment. So you're rapidly converting the patient to probably a normal-looking bone scan, and you're losing the target. And then when you're giving six cycles of radium-223, probably the last few cycles is all delivery to normal tissues without much tumor targeting at all.
0: Chris, let's turn to lutetium PSMA. How good is this novel treatment?
1: Well, as an accompaniment to brunch or red wine, well, not very good. But in men with metastatic castrate-resistant prostate cancer, very promising indeed. Retrospective data suggests lutetium therapy produces PSA response rates that's a reduction from baseline of greater than 50% in the order of 50 to 60% of men. Most of the data supporting lutetium is based on retrospective series. The only published prospective data comes from a Phase 2 trial conducted by Professor Hoffman, published in Lancet Oncology in 2018. Anna, can you tell us a bit more about this trial?
0: Certainly. This was a single-arm Phase 2 trial which initially enrolled 30 patients with advanced castrate-resistant prostate cancer, having progressed on taxane-based chemotherapy and second-generation antiandrogens.
1: So Anna, this is a pretty heavily pretreated treated group of men without good options for treatment.
0: That's right, Chris. 83% of patients had received prior abiraterone or enzalutamide, 80% of patients had previous docetaxel chemotherapy, and 47% had received prior cabazitaxel. So most of these patients were really at the end of standard treatment options. Despite this, 88% had equal performance status of 0 or 1. All patients had high PSMA expression based on screening PSMA and FDG PET. Those with low PSMA uptake or FDG discordance were excluded. Eligible patients received up to four cycles of intravenous lutetium PSMA therapy, given six weekly. The primary endpoint of this study was toxicity and PSA response. The median age was 71 years. Median PSA was 190. Only 13% had visceral metastases, and 29 out of the 30 patients had bone metastases.
1: So, how effective was lutetium PSMA therapy in this study?
0: Well, remember, we are talking small numbers, but 57% of patients achieved a PSA response. In the 17 patients with CT-evaluable soft tissue lesions, 14 achieved a partial or complete response, and 3 of the 30 patients achieved a PSMA PET complete response. The median PSA progression was 7.6 months, and median overall survival was 13.5 months. This is impressive data in a group of admittedly fit patients towards the end of their treatment journey. Importantly, lutetium PSMA therapy was also well tolerated.
1: At ASCO GU in San Francisco earlier this year, we heard updated results of this study, with an additional 20 patients included in the analysis, taking the total cohort to 50 patients. Efficacy outcomes remain consistent in this expanded cohort. Interestingly, 14 patients received retreatment with lutetium PSMA on progression, with a PSA response rate of 64% to retreatment lutetium PSMA. We asked Professor Hoffman to discuss the toxicities observed in this cohort of patients.
2: So acute toxicities, we saw nausea and vomiting occurring within the first 24 hours in a substantial proportion of patients, as much as 40%. We did no pre-medications in the Lancet cohort. So in the therapy trial, we are now giving some anti-nausea medication and some dose of dexamethasone to try to reduce that this was pretty minor and also transient. After 24 hours, it wasn't continuing. We've talked about a flare in bone pain that is uncommon but can occur. Uh, Other side effects that we see are hematotoxicity. This is typically something we measure on blood tests and doesn't cause clinically relevant toxicities. We do see uh, isolated lymphopenia, so decreased lymphocytes in a large proportion of patients, but that's invariably clinically insignificant. And then the main hematologic side effect is thrombocytopenia. And we do see that in grade three in perhaps uh, 10 to 15% of patients. The cause is uh, probably related to lutetium PSMA in those patients. And we have had other patients on the Lancet cohort who developed much more marked pancytopenia. And when we did marrow biopsies on those patients, it was usually due to disease progression and we didn't think they were a treatment related.
1: And quality of life outcomes?
2: Yes, so I think one of the benefits of this treatment is it it does improve quality of life at least that's what we've seen. So the typical symptoms we have in these men are often bone pain from bony metastases and it seems the vast majority of those men receive actually rapid pain relief and sometimes we see that within 5 or 6 hours of administering the therapy. So when they come back for their 24-hour post-therapy scan and we see the patient afterwards, they tell us that their pain is already improving. And it seems particularly good for bone pain. But what's interesting is that the patients also filled out their own quality of life questionnaires, the QLQ, EORTC, standardized questionnaires, and they ask a lot of questions about fatigue. And the patient-directed questions actually showed an improvement in fatigue in men on therapy.
0: This is the first prospective study showing efficacy of lutetium therapy in the treatment of advanced, heavily pretreated prostate cancer and has paved the way for the Australian randomized phase two trial therapy, comparing lutetium PSMA with the standard of care cabazitaxel chemotherapy. This trial is being led by Professor Hoffman, and he shared the progress on the therapy trial with us.
2: Sure. So the therapy trial is an Australian academic sponsored trial that's run through ANZUP, the Australian New Zealand Urology Clinical Trials Group, in collaboration with the PCFA, and also has a number of other partners, particularly ANSTO, uh, who provide the Lutetium 177 uh, for free Uh, as part of the trial, and Endocyte, now AAA in Novartis, who own the IP on PSMA 617, who are contributing to the trial immensely as well. And this is a randomized trial being run at 10 sites around Australia, randomizing patients to either lutetium PSMA 617 or carbazitaxel chemotherapy. The first patient was recruited in February uh, last year, so it's been running for just over one year. And I'm pleased to say that we've randomized, I think, around 140 of the 200 planned patients, and we've screened actually over 200 patients to arrive at that uh, number. So our recruitment is well ahead of schedule. All the sites have really outstanding medical oncology and nuclear medicine co-investigators that has really led to the success of this trial. And uh, we hope to finish recruitment towards the end of this year and uh, perhaps have some results to present in the middle of 2020 if everything goes ahead of schedule.
1: In the USA, another trial of lutetium PSMA is currently recruiting. The randomized phase 3 vision clinical trial randomizes patients between lutetium PSMA and best supportive care. Professor Hoffman clarifies here a key difference between the Australian therapy trial and the United States vision trial. He begins with the use of both PSMA and FDG PET scans in the Australian therapy trial.
2: So in this trial all patients have a PSMA PET scan and also a FDG PET scan and that's unique because most of the other centres around the world are just performing the PSMA PET and if you look at the other big trial that's running a US-based trial called the VISION trial it's also just using PSMA PET. The first step is we want to see high uptake on PSMA PET. But in the therapy trial Patients then also go on to have an FDG. PET, And sometimes we see a phenomenon of tumor heterogeneity, particularly in patients that have failed two or three lines of therapy. And although many sites will be PSMA avid, we may have sites of disease that are FDG positive, but PSMA negative. And they are the most aggressive sites of disease that are progressing most quickly and therefore likely to kill the patient. And if we can't target those sites, then that's problematic we may be able to target 80% of the disease that's not the most aggressive. And in our experience, actually from the neuroendocrine tumor world where this treatment evolved, uh, we found that patients that have aggressive sites that we can't target ultimately do very badly. So those patients are excluded from the trial.
0: We asked Professor Hoffman what he has planned for upcoming trials.
2: We are definitely interested in combining lutetium PSMA with a whole raft of different therapies. We need to do better. We're not curing anyone with lutetium PSMA. Everyone, even patients that have exceptional responses, uh, tend to recur. So we need more durable responses and we also need deeper responses. We have a couple of trials that are in advanced planning uh, here at Peter Mac. One is combining lutetium PSMA with a immunotherapy, pembrolizumab, a PD-1 inhibitor. The rationale being there that uh, this may be a synergistic combination, that giving radiation to tumors may switch on the immune system, and then unblocking the PD-1 pathway may be advantageous in seeing immune responses, which have been pretty limited in prostate cancer to date. We're also interested in radiosensitizers. So when you get damage to DNA with a beta-remitter-like lutetium, the cells do repair themselves, so we have an interest in using radiosensitizers to cause even more damage and preferentially to tumors rather than normal tissues. And one of the ones we're most interested in is PARP inhibitors. And this is, uh, PARP inhibitors are exquisite radiosensitizers. And this is not in just the BRCA-mutated population, but applying, using a PARP as a radiosensitizer. So it does not matter if you have a DNA repair mutation or not. And we have a study in advanced planning looking at that. But I think in the future, they will be interest in combining with enzalutamide, abiraterone, even docetaxel
0: chemotherapy. With all this talk of combinations, Professor Hoffman threw in this curveball. We do see, it's worth noting that with lutetium, PSMA, R
2: seem to target soft tissue disease extremely well, lymph nodes, even visceral disease sometimes. And when patients eventually progress, it is predominantly within bone or bone marrow. It would be interesting to think about a combination of lutetium, PSMA, and radium-223 in the future, It, it may be a synergistic combination because they do target different aspects of the disease and it does seem that some of the disease that radium targets is perhaps not what we're targeting with lutetium PSMA.
1: So, the blowtorch and the slow cooker. We also discussed the potential for using lutetium PSMA earlier in the disease course.
2: Definitely. That's where we're moving. So we have a couple of trials that we're proposing using lutetium PSMA in the castrate-sensitive population with high-volume metastatic disease. And this is a group of men who have docetaxel, abiraterone, enzalutamide at the moment, or, or other novel anti therapies, and, but they don't do particularly well. And uh, we want to add lutetium into the armamentarium in these patients in addition to to standard of care. We also would like to bring it really, really early. We think there may be a role in both the neoadjuvant and the adjuvant setting in patients with high risk prostate cancer. So these are patients that currently have surgery and a pelvic node dissection or external beam radiotherapy. Is there a role for lutetium in these men? There's no data in that sphere. It's something we'd like to look at as well. So I think it's fair to say that we can move it from currently where it's end of line treatment to the future where maybe it'll be a first line treatment, but a lot of work needs to be done
1: so that's all we have time for today we like to finish these podcasts with fast five facts so to recap one the labeling of cell targeted peptides with radioactive molecules produces radionuclides which are being increasingly used for imaging and therapeutic purposes in cancer
0: 2. Lutetium PSMA is the most advanced of these targeted radionuclides for treatment of metastatic castration resistant prostate cancer, currently undergoing evaluation in prospective randomised trials.
1: 3. Selection of men suitable for treatment with lutetium PSMA requires high uptake of their disease on PSMA PET imaging and ideally the absence of FDG-avid sites of disease.
0: Four. Men with heavily pretreated disease are reporting improved quality of life and rapid improvement in pain following administration of lutetium PSMA. PSA response rates of around 60% are described. And
1: five, tolerability of lutetium PSMA appears to be excellent, with early nausea and vomiting, fatigue, thrombocytopenia and dry mouth being the most common toxicities.
0: Chris and I would like to thank Professor Michael Hoffman for his insights into this new therapy. We would also like to thank our audience for listening. This is certainly an exciting time in the changing landscape of prostate cancer treatment and we look forward to seeing our patients benefit from lutetium PSMA therapy in the future.
1: Your hosts today on this Talking Oncology podcast have been Chris Hocking and Anna Mislang with special guest Professor Michael Hoffman. The podcast was written by Justin Mensel, Chris Hocking and Anna Misling, produced by Joseph Iskia and Cara Webb. This has been a Talking Medicine production and proudly brought to you by Janssen. This Talking Oncology podcast was proudly brought to you by Janssen.